Powerful changing their allegiance this way and that to whosoever promised them more power at the time, forgetting their responsibility to those beneath them, so that their private and foreign armies ravaged the common people like dogs pulling apart a living deer. Women raped, peasants hanging from trees by their own entrails. Nearly fourteen years of it, during which England's people said that God and his saints must be sleeping since there was no answer to their prayers for deliverance. Then it is a most excellent beginning, my lord, and one that will contrast well with the present day, when a merchant may travel English roads with gold in his pack without fear of molestation. Damnation! This boy was hired for his speed in writing, not his commentary, however cheery. Time! Time! The leaves will be falling soon. I think, the abbot says, that we need expend few words on the circumstances of the war's beginning, since everybody knows them. Er, damnation again. Didn't they teach them history at Purton? Its causes, the abbot says distinctly began with the death of King Henry I of England in the year of our Lord 1135 in Normandy. Dead from a surfeit of lampreys, the scribe says brightly. I know that much. The abbot sighs. A man of voracious appetite. And not only for food, his bastards were legion. Shall I put that down, my lord? I don't care but it would be useful if you could mention the king's insistence that the nobles gathered about his deathbed should swear an oath that they would accept as their queen his only remaining legitimate child, the Empress Matilda, formerly Empress of Germany, but widowed by then and married again to the Angevin Geoffrey Plantagenet. The same Empress who was the mother of our present King Henry? The same. However, Her cousin Stephen, hearing of his uncle's death, raced from Normandy to England and secured the crown for himself with the aid of some of the very barons who had sworn to support the empress. They never having been ruled by a woman nor wanting to be? asked the scribe helpfully. If you like, if you like. And now, my son, we reach the nub of my chronicle, when, in 1139, the Empress Matilda invaded England with an army to fight for the right her father had granted her. By this time, Stephen had disappointed many of those who had so enthusiastically espoused his cause. Undoubtedly an affable man, and in war a courageous one, he concealed a shifty cunning that caused him to break his word to the trustworthy in favor of men of the moment. His brother Bishop Henry, a stronger character than he, had helped him onto the throne, and might have expected to be made Archbishop of Canterbury as a reward. Instead, Stephen alienated his brother and conferred the position on the little-known Theobald of Beck. Also, he dismissed the low-born but clever men who had run Henry I's administration, and put in their place favorites who lacked the knowledge to govern efficiently. Arbitrarily, madly, he arrested three bishops, one of them the Bishop of Ely, who had displeased him, 
taking their castles into his own hands, thereby showing that he had no care for the liberties of the church. The young scribe tut-tuts. He sets great store by church liberties. Such wickedness. He was a fool, the abbot says. His kingship was tainted with foolish decisions, which by 1141 had caused some of his erstwhile supporters to switch their allegiance to the empress and fight against him. Worse, it gave opportunity to wicked men who cared not who ruled, as long as they themselves flourished. He draws a long breath. It is at this point, my son, where we must begin our history, with the war in full spate. And for that we must revert not to the doings and battles of the great, but to an insignificant village in the Cambridgeshire Fenland, and to an eleven-year-old girl who lived in it. Commoners, my lord? It is said with alarm.